dive on in um, tonight. Uh, I started a series two Wednesday nights ago about boundaries, and I'm going to give, give you a little bit of recap. But I do want to say, and I don't have much time tonight, this is so vital. I think people don't realize um, boundaries that have been put up, boundaries that um, don't exist, and you wind up living an abused life, or you wind up abusing people, and you don't even know what's there. So the heart of this is to help you um, determine where you start and stop and where someone else starts and stops and where the healthy places are. There are healthy boundaries, uh, and there are times to say no, and there are times to say yes, and there's a lot of places in between. But you know, in the physical world, it's easy to see boundaries with fences. If you just go out to your yard, even, I don't know if you, your yard looks like the manicured yard and your neighbor's doesn't, or yours is the junky one and your neighbor's looks great. But you can usually tell between yards whose is whose, can't you? Who's watering their yard, who's mowing their grass. I can see my property line, even though it's not defined between me and my neighbor. It's grass, but I know where it is because I can see it. Isn't that funny? Uh, but there's walls and hedges. And these are all physical, physical boundaries. But they tell the same message. This is where my property begins. And the owner of the property is legally responsible for that property. A non-owner is not responsible for that property. Simple, right? We get that. Physical boundaries uh, mark a visible property line that someone has a deed to. And you know, you can go to the county courthouse and look it up. You can get on the internet and find out who owns what, what they paid for it, when, how long they've had it. It's really kind of creepy how much you can find out uh, through, uh, through the internet. But in the spiritual world, these boundaries are just as real. They're just sometimes harder to see. Now, they're really not. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God will show us where they are. The problem is we don't know where to look. We don't know how to look. We don't know how to hear the Holy Spirit say, hey, you're about to cross the line. Because the Holy Spirit will tell you, hey, you're about to cross the line. That's his job. And he's speaking. We've got to listen. Don't forget that it is the Spirit of God that is in us. When we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, it is the Spirit of God that we have. The same Spirit that was in Jesus, we have in us. We have the ability to think like Jesus. We have the ability to feel like Jesus. We have the ability to see like Jesus. Because we have the Spirit of God in us. So we should be able to see. Do you remember when, I think it was Elisha, that said, hey, God, open up my servant's eyes. And all of a sudden he could see, and there were all those enemies out there. That's what we are capable of seeing. That if we'd say, hey, Holy Spirit, show me what I'm about to walk into, he'd say, okay, thanks for asking. Look, and bam, there it is. That sounds too good to be true, but the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. Are y'all here? All right. The spiritual world, the goal, again, is to define your intangible boundaries and to recognize them so that you can increase your love and bring safety to your life. And these boundaries will de define your soul, and they will help to guard, guard it and maintain it. Now, as they put this up, Proverbs 4.23, really, this is the heart of this message. Proverbs 4.23, and before they get it up, I'm just going to read it to you. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. 
guard your heart above all else. Boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and where someone else begins. Now, again, reviewing, boundaries are not walls. They're not walls. The Bible does not say that we are to wall ourselves off from each other. In fact, it says for us to be one with each other, that we are to be in community with each other, that we're not to be isolated. But every person, every member has their own space and property. I don't like my space to be invaded. One time, Elizabeth and I, we were asleep, middle of the night, and I'm sorry she's not here because she would just laugh her head off at this story. But I, I woke her up and I said, honey, could you please roll over? Scoot over. It's only happened one time in our 23 years of marriage that I said, hey, could you scoot over? Because she likes her space, I like my space. And we have a big king-size bed and we stay on our sides. <laughs> it's just funny. But, and she woke up thinking, I can't believe he woke me up. I'm not on his side. I'm not on his side. I can't believe he's done this. And she said that she looked at the other side of the bed, and it looked like three miles. She said it looked like the longest journey she had to ever go. And she just started hee-hawing because I was about to fall off the bed. And I'd never had to wake her up, ever. And I'm like, honey, could you just scoot over just a little? Just give me just enough to where I don't feel like I'm going to fall off. And it's just so funny how much we want our space. But boundaries are not walls. The important thing is, is that our boundary or our property line be permeable, allowing things to be able to pass by, but also strong enough to keep out danger. We want to be able, if you remember from last time, we want to be able to let the good in and keep the bad out. That's what a boundary is for. And the concept of boundaries comes from the very nature of God. God defines himself as a distinct, separate being, and that he is responsible for himself. He is responsible to his word. He is responsible to us according to his word, according to who he is. And he defines and takes responsibility for his personality by telling us how he feels, what he thinks, how he wants things to be done, what makes him happy, what makes him mad, what his plans are, what he will allow, what he likes and what he doesn't dislike. And do you know that he defines himself as separate from his creation and from us? He differentiates himself from himself and from others. He makes it clear in his word. He tells us who he is, and he tells us who he's not. What does he say he is that you can remember? He is love, but in him is no darkness. He's not, there is no darkness in him, and he is love. Those are two things that we know he is. But he also has boundaries within the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even though they are one, they have three distinct responsibilities. We learned that through the whole study on the Holy Spirit. 
Each one has his own personhood and responsibilities, as well as a connection and love for one another. That's in John chapter 17. But do you know that God limits what he lets in his backyard? He has boundaries. He confronts sin, and he allows consequences for that behavior. He guards his house and will not allow evil things to go on there. He invites people who loves him to come in. And he lets his love flow outward to them at the same time. The gates that the Lord has up, are they will open and close appropriately. The same, in the same way, he has given us his likeness, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and he has given us responsibility with limits. Do you know that God is a rule maker? He has rules. And those rules are there to protect us, to keep us safe, and to keep evil out. In the same way we were made, he wants us to rule and subdue the earth and to be responsible stewards over what he's given us. And to do that, we need to develop boundaries like God. So let's talk about a few uh, obvious boundaries. When you just look at ourselves, one of the first boundaries that we come engaged with is our skin. Just think about your skin. The most basic boundary that defines you is your skin. Have you ever heard people use this kind of phrase, man, he gets under my skin. Anybody do that to you? Yeah, you laugh because it's true. Your physical self is the first way that you learn that you are separate from others. As a baby, you realize you are separate from the mother and father that is raising you. Our skin boundary helps keep good in and bad out. What does our skin hold in? It holds in our blood. It holds in the vessels. It holds in our organs. It holds in our bones. It holds stuff in. But I want you to also think about what your skin does. It keeps bad out. Think about it. In order to get something from the outside in, you've either got to let it in or someone take a shot and stick it in you and it hurts. And you're like, ouch, don't do that again. But also there are openings on our body to be able to let food in and to be able to let waste out. It can't be closed off. If you were closed off, you'd die. You have to be able to receive in and you have to be able to let the bad out. Victims of physical and sexual abuse often have a poor sense of boundaries because early in life they were taught that their property was not their own. It did not, their property really didn't begin at their skin. That others could invade that property and do whatever they want. And as a result, later in life they still seem to have problems to problems developing boundaries. Can you see that? That when your body is violated, young in life, that you start to get messed up on what is yours and what isn't yours. Everybody with me? And you can see why we have problems the rest of our life. Another boundary, example of boundary, um, is words. In the physical world, offense or some other structure usually shows us what the boundary is. But in the spiritual world, our, 
uh, boundaries are invisible. But we can create good protective fences with our words. What is the most, what would you say is the most uh, boundary setting word we have? Kids learn it's usually one of the first words they learn. No. How a child can come out of the womb and say no is beyond me. But it's one of the first things they learn. You know what no does? It sets you apart from someone else. You're saying, I'm in control of my life and you're not. No, used the right way is a good word. Do you know that God says no? God, I think I should leave my wife and go to this other woman. No. God, I think I should do this to my body. No. God says no. For some reason, uh, there was a time just a few years ago where people were teaching to raise your kids by not telling your kid no. Dad, I want to go play in the street. No. Am I a bad parent? No. I'm a good parent. Because I told my kid no. You know what scripture says? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Somebody stand up and have a backbone. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. No is a confrontational word. The Bible says that we are to confront people we love saying, no, that behavior is not okay. I will not participate in that. Unfortunately, we think people are going to be offended, so we don't. No is important in setting limits on abuse. Many scriptures urge us to say no to others' sinful treatment of us. That's in Matthew 18. But the Bible warns us against giving to others reluctantly or under compulsion. Have you ever done something for someone reluctantly or because you felt pressure to? Are y'all with me? People with poor boundaries struggle with saying no to control, to pressure, to demands, and sometimes to real needs of others. They feel that if they say no to someone, it will endanger the relationship. I will lose the relationship if I say no. I might lose my marriage because I'm not at home, but I sure don't want to damage the relationship. No, so I'm sorry. Sometimes I've got to say no. It is a very hard thing to learn how to say no correctly. Let me tell you, you spend your whole 18 years raising a child trying to teach them that one thing, how to say no correctly. Uh, you don't tell your daddy no when he tells you to clean his room. That's the time we got to learn. That's not when to say no. That's when you say yes. Amen? So, when we, when we feel like we're going to endanger the relationship and don't say no, you know what happens? We passively comply, but down deep, we resent. Now we've got a problem. Now we let a root of bitterness find itself, find itself in us. Sometimes a person pressures you to do something. Other times a person, sometimes the pressure comes from your own self. I should do this. 
I feel guilty for not doing it. So, yeah, I already have a thousand things to do, but I'll do it. You know what? You're not benefiting that other person, and you're definitely hurting yourself. Do you know what a no means? A no means you can say yes to something else. A yes means you're going to have to say no to something else. So sometimes your no is the best thing you could ever do because the yes is coming. Do you all follow that? The no opens up for a yes, and a yes opens up for a no. If you can't say no to this internal or external pressure, you have lost control of your property, and you will not enjoy the fruit of self-control. Your words also define your property. As others learn, as you communicate your feelings, people start to learn who you are because you begin to communicate your feelings, your likes, your intentions, and your dislikes. It's difficult for people to know where you stand if you don't use words. If you don't talk, my spouse can never know where my line starts and ends. So she just keeps crossing and crossing and crossing until finally I explode. Because I've not used my words. That's a kind of a, a child expression, but let me tell you, there's so many child adults that don't use their words. I feel. That took me a long time. It took me until I was about 40 years old to even try to think about how I felt. That's a shame to have lived that long. And to, I, I just couldn't do it. I thought I was being a sissy. Who cares how I feel? This is how it is. And then I started to think about how I felt, and I didn't feel good about it. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't feel good. But it's good to know and for other people to know how you feel. Do you know the Lord will tell you how he feels? Jesus was moved with compassion. He felt outwardly, and you knew it. You felt it. Sharing your feelings helps define your borders. You know how God shares his feelings? In his word, he says, I hate this. Have you ever read that? Six things the Lord hates. No, seven. Like, what, did you forget one? You know, have you ever read those? Why wouldn't you just rewrite and just say the Lord hates seven things? Sometimes I read and I just laugh. Well, I don't get it. Six things the Lord hates, no seven. Oh, okay. Good. What does the Lord hate? And the Lord loves this. He's showing you his feelings. He's showing you where those borders are. You know when the Lord says he hates something, he is telling you that to protect you. There is benefit coming to you if you can learn to hate those things. And he also says, I will do this and I will not do that. He is establishing boundaries. Your words let people know where you stand, and this gives them a sense of the edges that will help identify you. When you say, I don't like it when you yell at me, that gives people a clear message about how you conduct relationship and how that lets them know what the rules are of your yard. I'm not going to have this conversation in this way. Knowing the truth about God helps put limits on you and shows you his boundaries. Realizing this truth helps define your relationship with him. 
when he says that you will reap what you sow, you can choose to live by that uh, statement, by that knowledge, and reap the benefit, or you can go against it and do your own thing and suffer the consequences of it. There's got to come a time in your life, especially as a Christ follower, that you believe God's Word to be true. Now, you can still choose, and the Lord gives you the, 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 the freedom to choose the wrong way, but you've got, to, you've got to accept the consequences of going that way. If you know that you're going to reap what you sow, then why not sow good into people's into relationships, into marriage, into your finances? Sow according to God's word and expect him to do his part. He will. Either his word is true or it isn't. There is no gray area here. There's no gray. God has put up clear boundary lines for us to see. If we do it this way, we will get that return. And I will tell you, every single time the Lord has been faithful to his word. I've never been able to prove him unfaithful. Are you guys good? I feel like I'm kind of beating y'all down a little bit. I'm not meaning to. I'm trying to. Okay. Okay, thank you. Knowing the truth. To be in touch with God's truth is to be in touch with reality. To be in touch with his truth. Satan is the great distorter of reality. Do you remember right away, the Garden of Eden. Here's Adam and Eve, completely naked and happy. Good with it. Running around, the temperature is a perfect 70-whatever degrees. Y'all define that, whatever your perfect degree is, because I know everyone's different. But it was perfect. Had the fruit, had the food, had everything they needed. Perfection. And God put up one boundary. Don't do this. And what Satan do? He distorted what God said. Satan's like, don't worry about anything else. Everything else doesn't matter. That's the only thing that matters. I'm going to hit you right here. And what did they do? Okay. God's trying to hold something back? Really? Well, let's fix that. And they believed it. And the consequences were disastrous. There is always safety in truth. But learning God's truth and also learning the truth about yourself will set you free. It will set you free. Many people live in just crazy, tumultuous lives, trying to live outside their own boundaries, not expressing and accepting the truth of who they are. So, that was words. I got uh, two more. Geographical distance. Proverbs 22.3 says, The prudent man sees the evil and hides himself. Can I tell you that sometimes you need to physically remove yourself from the situation? Sometimes in your marriage, sometimes in your work, sometimes in some frustrating relationships, sometimes just in things physically, you need to remove yourself. You are a hindrance or the other person is a hindrance and you need to physically get out of the room. Just this is a this maybe not be a great example, but sometimes we work on a project so hard and so hard and so hard and we get stuck. And we can't go forward. Sometimes you need to just walk away. 
Get away from it. Go play a game. Go have a chocolate milkshake. And boom, the idea comes back and you're ready to go again. Or you catch your breath with your marriage. You count to 10, you realize, my spouse loves me. I've just gone stupid. I need to get myself removed for a few minutes. Get with God. Get with myself, the truth about myself, the truth about my spouse. And you know what? All of a sudden, Satan's trying to put your head under the water. And all of a sudden, you can come away and say, wait a minute. There's a lie going on right here. That's the Holy Spirit saying, lies. Lies are popping up in your life. Listen to me. Remove yourself and come back. You can replenish yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Jesus did it. Jesus removed himself, went off by himself, and then came back. But you can remove yourself to get away from danger and to put limits on evil. Do you know the Bible tells us to separate from those who continue to hurt us and to create a safe place for ourselves? Removing yourself from the situation sometimes will also cause the other person to feel a loss of fellowship and might consider repairing the wound, might consider acknowledging the problem. Do you hear me? Sometimes by removing yourself, it causes the other person to see something's off and might lead to a changed behavior. If you're in an abusive relationship or when the relationship is abusive, sometimes the only thing to do is to create space and wait for the other person to deal with what they're walking through. Staying involved in a hurtful situation is not right. You need to get yourself removed. The Bible supports the idea of limiting togetherness for the sake of binding evil. Take time off from a person, from a project. Sometimes can be a way to regain ownership over some out-of-control aspect of your life where boundaries need to be set. Children so many times do not get away from their parents. So many times we uh, kids stay in stay in kind of under the covering spiritually and emotionally and don't separate. And kids need time away. They've spent their whole lives embracing these, these mannerisms and ways of doing things, have been afraid to break away because they think that they're going to hurt their family. I want you to know there are times in our marriage, our early on marriage, we, we tried to do our parents' stuff and it didn't work. Any of you tried to keep your parents' way of doing things going and you just realized this, this doesn't work? We've got to find our way. We've got to break away from that relationship. You know, there's something so cool about a child learning his own way. I had, a, I don't know if my oldest daughter's in here, but she just went to Disney this two weeks ago. And I am the... Disney World Nazi. I have spreadsheets, and we get these books called Fodder's Way of Doing Disney or whatever it is, and we study the night before, and I'm a fast pass fool, and I mean, I run, we run, and we're not, we're not, we're not going to have any laggers coming behind. We're, we're moving, 
And I felt like I was just the meanest dad ever because we're done by 11 o'clock. We've ridden every ride, and now we're ready to just go watch shows and chill and eat. But by 11 o'clock, we're there at 8 o'clock. The door's open. We're running. Guys, I am not being exaggerating. We're, me and Pete are running. Going to get fast passes, meeting the kids at the next ride, riding that one, going to ride that one, go get the next fast pass. If you don't know what I'm talking about, fast passes, look it up. They're real. And they let you get to the front of the line. But my daughter went with another family that did things a different way. And she started calling home going, Dad, I need you. Dad. And she was the one that didn't want to get up early. She likes to sleep till noon. But she's like, oh, my gosh. Dad knows how to make this work. And I'm like, I'm at home going, finally she sees some value in me. I am not kidding. I mean, you know your kids are trying to break away and do things their own way. And like, Dad, would you just shut up? Would you not preach to me this time? And would you not tell me how to drive? And would you not tell me how to eat? And not tell me how to do this? And just shut. You know you're there thinking, just shut up. I've got this. And one of the silliest things is that for them to go to, for her to go to Disney and say, for one, she's telling the family, my dad does it this way, my, my dad does it that way. My dad. And finally she said, Mom, I think i got to stop talking about my dad. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, please shut up. They're going to hate me. But for them to get out of the house is one of the most healthy things to do and to experience life and to realize, hey, Mom and Dad aren't complete idiots. I'm telling you what, I was ready to sing hallelujah to somebody. As dumb as that sounds, it's like, I'm good at Disney. I don't know that I, anybody else would think that, but she does. And I really don't care what anybody else thinks. She thinks I am. I'm her hero again. You know, they kind of lose that at five, six, seven years old, and then they go to Disney, and it's like, yay. Sounds so silly, but it's so healthy. And then finally, emotional distance. It's a temporary boundary to give your heart the space it needs to be safe. It's not a permanent way to live. But people who have been in abusive, and, and can I tell you, when I say abusive, so many people want to just go to physical. There are so many types of abuse. Verbal abuse is one of the things that gets covered up and nobody knows what's going on. And you have no idea the damage that is happening in your relationships due to verbal abuse. Another type of, of abuse is emotional abuse. And what I'm talking about is um, manipulation, domination. And sometimes it's a look. Sometimes it's a cold shoulder. Can anybody relate? It is, it is so damaging. Physical abuse, you know what? I will tell you, some of that is easier to get over than verbal and emotional abuse. Kids live their lives with verbal and emotional abuse in the background, in their skeletons, in their closet that they can never get free of. And it becomes such a hindrance, especially when it's a dad doing it to a child, because that's how they see God. You want to know why they struggle with God is because they've struggled with their dad. And I have been one that didn't even know sometimes I'm doing it. I've told you all about my son. I was the hardest guy on him. And then my daughter comes along playing sports, and, and my son's like, I don't even know who you are. And it was the truth. Broke me in half. 
you can't see it. We get so intense and we want so much and we see so much potential that we cross over that line into domination, into manipulation and intimidation. Let me tell you, dads intimidate. I didn't mean for that. This isn't in my notes. But they are boundary lines that we are crossing, that God says, do not cross this line. Do not lead your kids to anger. Because it's going to hurt them and it's going to hurt you. Sometimes in abusive marriages, the spouse needs to keep emotional distance until the partner begins to face their problems. You should not continue to set yourself up for hurt and disappointment. If you've been in an abusive relationship, you've got to wait until it's safe and and until real patterns of change are demonstrated. So many times spouses go back into the firing squad just for the sake of forgiveness. It's the godly thing to do, but the person is supposed to show fruits of repentance. Unfortunately, we get to hurting, we get to feel codependent, and we go back into that relationship before the person has dealt with their problem. It's what happens to uh, addicts. The addict hasn't completely gotten restored, and they get introduced back into life, and they're not ready. And we fall right back off the wagon. Do Do you guys hear me? We've got to see change. And, and if you're dealing in that type of situation, the person needs to get help. And we've got to see fruits of that change. Listen, I have been one that, that we've needed to keep space until you could see fruits in my life. Listen, we're, we're all battling something. We're all battling something. But can you see through emotional space, through physical space, through words, um, through these, these spiritual boundaries that God has put in place, we've got to acknowledge that maybe we're crossing the line with some of our family members. Maybe we're crossing the line with some of our friends, or maybe we're allowing our friends to cross some of our lines. And we need to put up some healthy boundaries. Hey, I love you and I respect you so much, but we're not going to go down this road anymore. You're not going to talk to me like this. Can we get real with each other? Do you know God will get real with you? He doesn't play games. He'll tell you the truth. The truth hurts, but the truth it's only the truth that'll set you free. Man, I've gone way late. Forgive me. That's a boundary. I just crossed a boundary of 7:30. It really is. Time is a boundary. And when you abuse that, do you have anybody that abuses your time? Pastor, you're still abusing our time. Okay. (laughs) Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you just to show us, Holy Spirit, where some of these lines are and where we're crossing them and where we need to pull back. Lord, where we need to say no and where we need to say yes. And Lord, let our yes be yes. And when we say yes, let's do it wholeheartedly. But when we say no, let's say no in a loving way letting people know that this is the right move for us and we're not rejecting them. Father, I just ask for those that are going through abusive relationships that they would find a safe place to be able to remove themselves back far enough to where they're safe and can begin to deal with what's being walked through. 
Lord, I just pray for mercy and for grace and for wisdom and for favor. Lord, bless us. Bless this church. Bless our city. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You guys have a great week. We'll see you Sunday morning. We're starting a brand new series that I'm so excited about. You guys come out and, and hear that. God bless you.